If you would please remain standing and turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke. Book of Luke, chapter 1. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 4 this morning. Luke, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. And I will be reading from the English Standard Version. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. You may be seated. And as you do, please bow your heads in prayer with me. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and honoring in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. And it's in Jesus' name alone that we pray. Amen. Well, this morning is a beginning. It is the beginning of a long journey that we will be embarking on together uh, that will take probably maybe three or four years, um, if we're lucky. It may even take longer. Um, this morning we're embarking on the Gospel of Luke. Um, we uh, read the prologue to Luke this morning, and uh, what I have given you, uh, I had the ushers hand this out, is uh, a little cheat sheet, I guess you could say, on the Gospel of Luke. Uh, if you do not have one, you can grab one on the way out. There should be more uh, in the back. Um, but just give you an, a little idea of, of who wrote Luke, um, who it was written to, some unique characteristics of Luke, some of the themes that we'll be encountering as we go through the book of Luke. And uh, following the book of Luke, we're actually going to move into the book of Acts, uh, as you'll see later why that is. So, um, I have enjoyed preaching the last several months through the series of Knowing God. And in reality, this is a continuation of Knowing God. Because you can't really know God unless you know Jesus. And so we'll be doing an in-depth study into the life of Jesus from the perspective of Luke. Knowing God's attributes that we've been going through are good. They're excellent. They're good things to do. Um, but you cannot know Jesus, or go, know God if you just look at his attributes. Because we believe that God is a God who is the Trinity. He is a triune God. That means he is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. So in the book of Luke, what we'll be doing is we'll be studying the life of Jesus. We'll be taking uh, these 24 chapters and going in-depth into who Jesus is what he did um, in his life, through his death, his resurrection, and through his ascension. And then in the book of Acts, 
we'll be looking at the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit poured out on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit in the life of the church and uh, through the Apostle Paul. So I guess you could say that our Knowing God series was just looking at God the Father. Uh, we'll be looking at God the Son and then God the Holy Spirit. Because in reality, if you want to know me personally, you can know some things about me, like, you know, I'm tall, I've got blue eyes, I was born in Chicago. Um, you know, some attributes about myself. Um, I, I like the white socks, you know, I'm a Florida fan. Uh, those types of things. Um, but you can't really know me unless you know my family, uh, unless you know my wife and how I interact with her. You can't really know me unless you know my children. Um, most of them are sick and are not here this morning. Um, but how I interact and what I'm like with them. Um, and the same thing is true with God. Uh, we can't truly know Him unless we know uh, the Son and the Spirit as well. So that's one of the reasons why uh, I felt uh, that it would be good for us to go through Luke. Uh, so that we can understand Jesus and also the Holy Spirit as well. Uh, but also, as you know, one of the most famous Christmas passages in all of Scripture is found in Luke. And as we're moving into the Christmas season, we'll be, first of all, looking at the birth narrative of Jesus. Uh, Luke 2 is very familiar. Um, you know, uh, the, the fact that uh, we have the very detailed account uh, of Jesus' birth in Luke chapter 2, uh, more detailed than in any of the other Gospels. So we'll be looking at that during the Advent season. So those are good reasons why to study Luke. Uh, the other is because of the day and the age that we are in currently. There is a sense of skepticism in our culture. Uh, two things people say are certain, and that is death and taxes. Everything else is up for debate, is up for change. Uh, Tim Keller wrote a book not long ago called The Reason for God, but his subtitle, I think, uh, really explains our culture these days. And he says, uh, the, the subtitle is Belief in an Age of Skepticism. We're skeptical. There has been a rise in our culture of agnosticism, of atheism, of those when they're asked who are no longer affiliated with any type of religion uh, because of... Uh, uncertainty or lack of trust. Uh, there is uh, a sense of skepticism in things that we used to uh, hold in high regard. Um, institutions like the church um, we're highly skeptical of now because of scandals among leadership and other events that have happened. Uh, we're skeptical of our security. Uh, we were in Oklahoma the, not long ago and we were able to go to the Oklahoma City bombing memorial um, 9-11, uh, a rash of shootings that have happened, the Boston Marathon, we're skeptical of our safety. We're skeptical of our government. Well, that may be something that we've always been skeptical of, but um, it's definitely the case now as well. Uh, our security in our investments, in our jobs, in our homes, uh, I would say most of us were affected uh, back in 2008 and 2009 of the the housing bubble and all that went around with that. Um, there's a sense of skepticism. And along with that, a cultural relativity, relativity in our postmodern society. Uh, a lack of absolute 
truth of, you hear a lot now, well, that might be good for you, but it's not good for me. In a sense, we create our own truth, and it can differ from person to person. Uh, We create our own reality. And this culture that we're in right now, I dare say, is not too far off from the culture of Athens during the time of Paul and during the time when Luke was writing his gospel. The leading minds would meet together during that time and they would debate. They would just bring up the latest ideas and they would debate what is truth. They would ask each other questions and there was a large degree of uncertainty Paul even pointed out that they had an altar there to an unknown God. Um, And it's into this type of culture that Luke writes his gospel. So, uh, as we get into Luke and his gospel, uh, I think it's very important for us to understand, first of all, who Luke is, who he is writing to, um, what he has written, and why he has written it. So, uh, so that we can get an understanding as we go through Luke uh, over these next, uh, in these next few years and uh, a better understanding of his writing. So first of all, who is Luke? Well, he's different than any of the other gospel writers, than Matthew and Mark and John, because Luke is a Gentile. He is a Greek. Not only is he a Gentile and not a Jew, he is not an eyewitness of Jesus. He never met Jesus. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, excuse me, Matthew, Mark, and John did. Matthew and John were disciples. Uh, Mark was a, a close uh, companion. Um, so Luke is a Gentile, and he is not an eyewitness. It's very important for us to understand that. Um, we know that he's a Greek uh, because he constantly uses Greek titles for Jesus in his gospel. Uh, He frequently refers to him as Lord rather than Rabbi, which Rabbi is the Hebrew term for teacher. Um, And Luke gives us events that no other uh, other gospel writer does. Um, He tells us that Quirinius was the governor of Syria during the time when Jesus was born. Um, He places biblical events in history, uh, places and people that other Greeks would understand so that they could see that what he is saying is true and give it a context. Um, So who was Luke then? If he was a Gentile and he didn't even know Jesus, what gives him the right to write this gospel? Um, Well, for one, he was a travel companion of the Apostle Paul. Uh, In many times in Paul's writings, we hear him referring to Luke. Uh, If you turn over to Colossians 4.14, he refers to Luke the beloved physician greets you. Or in 2 Timothy 4.10, he says this, uh, For Demas, in love with the world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus to, to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. And then there's these passages that we read about in Acts. Uh, if you notice the pronouns that uh, Luke uses, He constantly switches from they to we, to they and to we, referring to Paul's travels. Um, Different times when Luke is actually with Paul, he refers to that as we. I'll give you an example here in Acts 16, verses 6 through 11. 
And they, meaning Paul and his companions, went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to work to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by, they went to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was saying, they are urging him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to, to them. And then he refers to, to we. So Paul uh, is traveling there with Luke. A little bit more about who Luke was. He was a medical doctor. Um, as I already read in Colossians 4.14, Uh, Paul refers to him as the beloved physician. So he has a very keenness for detail uh, that you need when you're a physician. Uh, He also brings in uh, some medical terminology and he notices things that other gospel writers don't. Uh, When he refers to Jesus uh, healing a man's hand, uh, most of the other gospel writers just say hand. Luke says, in particular, it was his right hand. Just those little details uh, that, that he pays attention to. But uh, Luke was an investigative reporter. Like I said, he was not an eyewitness, uh, but he set out to write a very accurate history of Jesus. And he researched it, as it says here in in Luke chapter 1, verse 3. Um, He was with Paul during Paul's imprisonment in Caesarea. And most people would say that this was the time that Luke was able to do much of his research when he was in Israel, um, interviewing people, going to places, um, understanding the life of Christ. So this is Luke. This is our author. And he wrote it, as he said, to the most excellent Theophilus. So who is this guy, Theophilus? Uh, The short answer is, I don't know. We don't know who this guy, Theophilus, is in particular. And in reality, we don't even know if he was a real person. Um, The name Theophilus means lover of God. So some people have have said that maybe Luke was writing to, you know, um, this pseudonym, these people who were lovers of God. And so he just said uh, to Theophilus, um, most likely, this man, Theophilus, was a real person. Um, we don't know exactly who he was, but I'm sure that Luke did have a larger group of people in mind uh, when he was writing this. Uh, the, what we do know about Theophilus is that he was a Greek. Um, he had been taught things about Jesus at one point, and Luke wanted to, to make sure that he was certain of what he had been taught. So, why is that important? Is it really important that we know Luke was the author and that he wrote to Theophilus? Uh, Honestly, it is. It is important. Uh, The author and the recipient helps us to understand the context of what we are reading. Um, That's good literature, yes. Um, But one of the themes that we will pick up on in this gospel is the fact that Luke constantly stresses the universality of the gospel. He constantly stresses that the gospel is for everyone. Uh, if you remember in Luke chapter 2, 
uh, when it talks about the angels coming to the shepherds. Um, the shepherds uh, receive this message that there is good news of great joy that will be for all people. They say, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth among those with whom he is well pleased. It's amazing, honestly, that we have in our Bible a history, a biography of Jesus who was a Jew that was written by a Gentile for a Gentile. If you would have um, said that to someone, uh, you know, hundreds of years before the life of Christ, said someone is going to write a biography of your Messiah, and it's going to be a Gentile who does it for the benefit of another Gentile, he would have thought that you were crazy. But the gospel, although uh, was given to the Jews initially, is for all people. And Luke stresses this throughout his gospel. And it's important for us to know that. So, what's special about Luke? Um, I'm excited about going through Luke. Um, Luke wasn't the only one, and he wasn't the first to write a gospel. Mark probably came before Luke. Matthew probably did as well. And Luke probably used a little bit of Mark to help him, maybe some Matthew as well. Uh, but Luke's purpose was different than these two men in his gospel. We'll get to that in, in a little bit as well. Um, but what's unique about Luke's gospel is that it portrays from the beginning to the end the complete story of Jesus. In Luke, we have everything from the birth of John the Baptist to Jesus' ascension. No other gospel has that, but Luke does. It's the most complete of all the gospels. And although Luke shares a substantial amount of material with Matthew and with, with Mark, uh, some with John as well, there's a significant amount of new material. You know, if it wasn't for the Gospel of Luke, we wouldn't have things like the parable of the Good Samaritan. Who does not know that parable? Uh, we, we refer to Good Samaritans all the time. Uh, the parable of the prodigal son is only found in Luke. The, the shrewd manager, the story of Zacchaeus, how often do we you know, tell our, our children about the story of Zacchaeus, who was a wee little man? Um, the widow of Nain, who had her son raised from, uh, from the dead. Uh, Jesus' conversation with the thief on the cross, saying, Today you will be with me in paradise, is found in Luke. Jesus, after he has risen from the dead, and he travels on the road to Emmaus with a, a, a pair of disciples, is only recorded in the book of Luke. Um, he has recorded some very, um, uh, very special parables and, and events in the life of Christ that we would not have if it weren't for the Gospel of Luke. And uh, as I mentioned before, Luke is the first in a two-part series because he also wrote the book of Acts. Uh, and Acts is also written to Theophilus. And uh, we'll get to that in uh, a couple of years. So, getting on way for that. So... Um, so that's who and what, but why? And this is important for us this morning. Why? Why did Luke go about and write this gospel? In a sense, why do we have different gospels in our Bible? We have four accounts of the life of Jesus. Do we really need four different ones? Well, each one has a different focus. Each one has a different um, audience that it was written to from a different perspective. 
all inspired by God, um, all uh, for our salvation, but all with a different uh, purpose and different themes. What Luke was going for in his gospel and why this is important for us today is that he saw the importance of an orderly and an accurate record. These things that he was writing about were so important that he desired that they would be laid out in a straightforward way from the beginning to the end in order to leave no doubt, not only in the mind of Theophilus, but in everyone who read his gospel, that there would not be any doubt. Because he firmly believed, and I believe this is true, that if he could present Christ in an orderly and in an accurate way, it would lead to assurance of faith. And this is something that we need today. Assurance. Um, Kent Hughes, in his commentary on Luke, uh, writes this. He says, Theophilus knew about Jesus, but he needed to know him for sure. This is what we need as well, a sure and a certain knowledge of Jesus Christ and the salvation that comes through faith in him. We need to know what Jesus accomplished. We need to know the perfection of his virgin birth, the obedience of his sinful life, the wisdom of his profound teaching, and the power of his divine miracles. We need to know that these things because they prove that he is the Son of God. We need to know what Jesus did to save us from the wrath of God, that he suffered and died for our sins, that he was raised from the dead, We need to know that he ascended to heaven where he rules over all things for the glory of God. And we need to know these things because sometimes we have our doubts. Do you ever have doubts? I think we all do. If we can be honest and we can admit, yeah, we do. And we need assurance. We need to be reminded of the things that we have been taught, that we have learned over our lifetime, so that we can put down those doubts, that we can have assurance. Because what do we do with these doubts that we have? Well, when we have these doubts, we can look to the Scripture. We can look to the book of Luke to be reminded of the things that Christ did and what we have been taught, and we are reminded that they are true. You see, Luke may have been writing to his friend Theophilus. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he is actually writing to us today as well. Now, it's hard to read sometimes books from previous generations. Uh, There's a book that we're reading right now in our our Tuesday morning men's group that the language is kind of difficult in it. Um, But it was only written in 1948. You know, when I was in high school and I was going through Shakespeare, you know, that was difficult. I did not understand that very well, and it took me a long time to be able to understand. Um, But it's amazing that we have a book that was written around 2,000 years ago, some of it even more, uh, thousands of years before that, that not only can we read it and can we understand it, but it is extremely relevant to us today. Sometimes when I open the, open the Word and I'm reading it, it seems like God wrote that especially for me today. It is amazing how the Holy Spirit can work in that way. 
So, um, so Luke wrote this gospel so that we would have assurance, that Theophilus would have assurance. And he also wrote it to calm some of the concerns of the day. You see, these people who were living soon after the, the life and the death of Christ, they knew that Jesus was going to return. He said that he was going to return. But the thing is, they thought it was going to be quickly. Suddenly, 10 years goes by, 20 years goes by, 30 years goes by, 40, and they think, where is Jesus? He said he was coming back. Why hasn't he come back yet? And some doubts were starting to, to, to be raised in their minds. Jesus had told them that he would be back, but he didn't tell them how long he would be gone. And you know that feeling, uh, especially in the, the age that we have now of cell phones. Uh, when you're trying to get in touch with another person, uh, your spouse or your child, and for some reason you just cannot get in touch with them, at first you're a little frustrated, but then as time goes by, you start to worry. Like, is something wrong? Did something happen? Um, you have this, this feeling in the pit of your stomach. Um, this was kind of the same feeling that was happening in the time of Luke when he was writing. Um, why hasn't Jesus come back? Uh, did we misunderstand something that he said? Is he coming back? Uh, did I get it wrong? And here we are, even centuries later, and Jesus still hasn't come back. We may have some of the same worries and the doubts that people did back then, and it's rightly so. But praise be to God, we have his word. You know, I don't know how Theophilus reacted the first time he got Luke's gospel. When he read it through, um, uh, I hope and I pray that he was greatly encouraged by this. It did give him assurance of faith that he was able to know with certainty the truths that he had been taught about Christ. And I, I pray the same thing for us as believers. That as we read through this book, as we become intimately familiar with it over the next uh, couple of years, I pray that we would also be encouraged and experience this assurance because we can have assurance of faith in Christ. Luke has given us a very clear and an orderly and an accurate account of the life of Christ. He has painstakingly researched it for us. He has done his homework. He's included all the major events of Jesus' life from the beginning to the end. He has presented it in a way that is clear and is easy for us to understand. Thank you, Luke, for doing that. And he has done all of this so that we might be sure of what we know about Jesus. So my prayer for all of us is that as we get intimate with Luke over these next few years, is that we would know for certainty, with certainty, the things that we have been taught. That we would clearly see Jesus, the one, as he said after the story uh, with Zacchaeus, uh, the one who came to seek and to save that which was lost. And by knowing him, we might have life in his name. Let us pray. Our most gracious God and our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, and we thank you in particular uh, for this gospel that you wrote through your servant Luke. 
Uh, We thank you for the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we know that these words are from you. And we thank you that we have a complete account of the life of your Son, that we can read what he did, that we can read about his birth and his life, of his death, his resurrection, of his ascension. Uh, And by doing these things, we can know with certainty the truths that we have been taught. I pray that you would give us assurance as we go through this, Lord, that we would know that these things are true. We thank you for the ways that you have worked in history, that you are working in our lives, and uh, we pray that you would continue to do a good work in us until your Son does return. And we say, come, Lord Jesus, come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.